to a Monday edition of the We Tackle Life podcast. I'm Bruce Hooley. Glad to have you along. Appreciate your time this morning. Hope that you will enjoy the content. Hope you'll send me an email, Bruce. At... No, that's the wrong email. Sorry. I have so many. It's hard to remember them. The email for the podcast is wetacklelife at gmail.com. Wetacklelife at gmail.com. Would appreciate it if you would uh, shoot us an email. Let us know what you think about the content. We'll post the faith-only portion of the content on my YouTube channel, Bruce Hooley YouTube channel. Uh, today, I'm going to talk more about your reaction to the LeBron James faith portion of the podcast that came up on Friday. This is NFL Draft Week. Yahoo! A lot of Buckeyes are going to get taken. How many in the first round? Well, we'll get into that momentarily after a little reminder about our friends at CBD Health Collection, the makers of the Spielman CBD brand. Glad to have those people be a part of the podcast and hope you'll take advantage of my promo code BRUCE and order some of that awesome CBD that is removed from the plant in healthy fashion that will alleviate your pain. It works for me. It works on my back. Uh, I always tell you that it doesn't cure your pain, but it takes your pain away for three to five hours. Maybe it does cure your pain. I got up today. I didn't have any pain in my back, which has been a normal thing for like a month and a half, and I still haven't gone through even half of my jar of CBD warming salve that makes that pain go away and allows me to get into my day, function, and get moving. So I love their products. I have used many of their products. I've sampled them to see if they work for me. The freeze gel, the warming salve are great. The nighttime sleep aid also works great. We've noticed a difference in our aging pets with their pet CBD. So uh, go to their website, cbdhealthcollection.com. They have a retail store in Granville. I would highly suggest you check out their website because their website is very informative and it goes into how they got into the business, why they do business the way they do it, why their products might cost a little bit more than some others, but they don't when you use my promo code BRUCE at cbdhealthcollection.com or in the store or on the phone. Tell them you heard about it on the podcast and uh, I think you'll get the same relief that I have. Okay, uh, let's take a look at the NFL draft and Justin Fields. Uh, reports out today from NFL Network, Ian Rappaport, and others who say that the Niners, who traded up to the third spot, gave up three number ones to get there, uh, have got it down to Trey Lance from North Dakota State or Mac Jones. Trey Lance would make me nervous. He didn't play football last year. Mac Jones wouldn't make me nervous, but you got to know he's not mobile like Justin Fields. Uh, in the NFL, a quarterback who can move is, to me, better than a quarterback who can't move if everything else is even. Obviously, Kyle Shanahan and others, if the reports are true, think that Mac Jones shows some skill that Justin Fields doesn't show. They believe they can protect him. So we'll see. I don't pretend to know what makes a great NFL quarterback and what doesn't. I just know that. Trevor Lawrence checks every box. He's mobile. He's tall. He can see over the line. He's got a huge arm. He's played big-time college football. He's looked great in big games. He's dealt with adversity. So I'm not the least bit surprised that Urban Meyer and the Jacksonville Jaguars and anybody else, if they had that pick, would pick Trevor Lawrence. He started a bunch of games, too. He started for two and a half seasons. Justin Fields has started for two. I much prefer a quarterback who started for two years over one who started for one. Look at Mark Sanchez. Look at Dwayne Haskins. Uh, I didn't think this through all the way, but I would imagine there's probably somebody who's played one year in college as a starter and who's been a great NFL quarterback. But by and large, the longer you play, the better you're going to be. The thing that would make me nervous about Trey Lance is, who's he playing against at North Dakota State? How many guys has he played against that are going to be drafted? I know who Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence have played against. 
Uh, I know who Mac Jones has played against. So those three guys to me seem safer, even than Zach Wilson from BYU. He's played against some good players, but he hasn't played against the kind of good players that Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and Mac Jones have played against. So we'll see what we see, and uh, we'll have uh, clarity on that on Thursday night as the uh, draft is happening then. I apologize for all these notification beeps that are coming through the podcast on my tablet, which uh, I'll have to silence that. So uh, I'm hearing it in the headset here off air, and you guys are probably going to hear it on the podcast. I'll try to edit it out, but no uh, guarantees that I can do that. Okay, so um, I also had some, shockingly, right, longtime listeners, I had some technical issues this morning because I've been trying to record this awesome Nick Saban cut, and it records, but then it, the thing won't stop recording. So I get a ton of silence, and I'm hoping by the end of the podcast to be able to play that Nick Saban cut for you. If you haven't heard it, you can find it online where Nick Saban is responding to a question on a Zoom call about evaluating NFL players. And he talks about the two most important words that he tells his players are and and but. And that when you read a scouting report on a player, there will be all the measurables, all the things he can do, all the things that make him a draftable player, quick feet, good motor, la, 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 la. Then you get to the and part, which hopefully is a long list. Coaches love him, team leader, never a problem, la, la, la. Then you get to the butt part. Buddy had a drug test. Buddy got arrested for domestic violence. But the strength coach says he's not this or that. And so he maintains that every draft and every job interview is an endeavor where the person who is either going to draft you or hire you is looking for reasons not to draft or hire you. What are the red flags, in other words? And that is being compiled from the minute you walk onto campus until the day you are drafted. As I look at Ohio State's players in this draft, I don't see a lot of butts. You know, I mean, Justin Fields' epilepsy, well, that's a butt. It's not his fault because he didn't go out and, you know, make that happen. Uh, when I look at Pete Werner, I think Pete Werner could be a guy. Last year, Damon Arnett was a surprise first-rounder. Pete Werner, to me, could be a surprise first-rounder. Somebody could fall in love with Pete Werner. Pete Werner is, I don't know if he's ever going to be, well, I doubt he'll ever be uh, defensive MVP of the league. But Pete Werner looks to me to be the kind of an NFL player who plays a long time and is very productive. Uh, I don't want to say he's Clay Matthews because I don't think many of you even remember Clay Matthews. And... Clay Matthews was an all-pro linebacker a fair amount of times. I don't think he's Chris Spielman. I don't think he's that transformative on the field. I don't think Pete Werner's a four-time pro bowler. Uh, is he John Offerdahl? Is he Zach Thomas? Mm, I don't know. But Pete Werner's a guy you can stick out there and just not worry about him because he can play three downs. He can stop the run. He can cover the pass. Pete Werner's a really good football player. Is he one of the top 32 players in the draft? I don't think so. No, I don't think so. But if you have everything else and you have a hole at linebacker, could somebody 25 up say, that guy, we want that guy? 
I mean, theoretically, I didn't see Damon Arnett as a first-rounder. The Oakland Raiders, excuse me, Las Vegas Raiders did. So uh, I would expect Justin Fields and Pete Werner to be the first two players off the board for Ohio State. But you know how the draft is. They love measurables, right? So Baron Browning is going to wow them. They may fall in love with Wyatt Davis, guard to devalued position in the draft. They may fall in love with Tommy Togiai, interior defensive lineman, dime a dozen. Uh, Josh Myers, center. I've seen Josh Myers as a fourth-round projection. Do I think he's a better player than that? Yeah, I think Josh Myers is a guy you put him on the offensive line, and he'll be fine for a long time. But I said that about Billy Price, too, and boy, was I wrong on that. Because Billy Price, even though he's a hard worker and not a problem, he just hasn't delivered for the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, my friends at Hemisphere will deliver for you right to your door. But they'll also deliver great coffee, and you can get a 15% discount with Hemisphere. It's not Bruce. It's We Tackle Life in all caps. We Tackle Life in all caps. So make sure that you get your Hemisphere coffee. Stock up. Give it as a gift. They make gift packs. They'll put it together for you. You can call Hemisphere or click on their HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com and say, I want to spend... 25 bucks to send a corporate gift to X. And they'll probably say, if you spend 30, you get free shipping. But what could you get for 30 bucks? Mugs, coffee, tea, chocolate, non-GMO, sugar-free, gluten-free chocolate, and it's good. Yeah, so that would be my go-to. Wedding gift, somebody far away. Everybody likes coffee, right? Maybe never had great coffee. If you give the gift of Hemisphere... You might be giving something that people will use, not just once, but they'll keep ordering it because they love it. House Blend, Hunter's Blend, many different flavors. Bourbon Barrel Aged Coffee is their newest. Remember that promo code, We Tackle Life in all caps. Become one of the hundreds, hopefully soon a thousand, repeat customers from the We Tackle Life podcast to HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. You won't be sorry that you did. You may be sorry if you're still putting yourself through the misery of watching the Columbus Blue Jackets play hockey. Wow. Last night, uh, we were sitting around the house as a family, and we were going to go to our typical Sunday night show that we watched together. So we went to the guide, and whoa, there's a Blue Jackets game on against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Okay, fine, let's flip it over. So we watched like the last <laughs> minute 11 of regulation and the overtime. Didn't have to watch overtime long. Not even a minute of overtime, only 10 seconds of overtime. And Victor Hedman scores the game winner for Tampa Bay, so they beat the Jackets in overtime 4-3. to uh, Corpy got hurt in the game, and the Jackets now have lost. I'm not going to like fudge around here with overtime losses compared to regulation losses. Yes, I know, hockey guy, you get a point for losing in overtime. Woohoo! The Blue Jackets are, well, I'm, I will fool with it a bit, 0-7-2 in their last nine games. So that's seven regulation losses and two overtime losses. So they've not won a game in nine games, ten games really, because they've lost all nine. They are, They have lost 12 of their last 13 some of those were in overtime, losses nonetheless. And they have lost 16 of their last 18 games. So they are a dead solid last in the Central Division, shockingly enough. 15, 25, and 10. They have 40 points. 
Not a surprise when you trade Nick Foligno, when you trade Pierre-Luc Dubois, when you lose, I know it's been two years, Artemi Panarin and Sergei Bobrovsky. They're a mess. They've had injuries. Zach Wierenski's injured. Boone Jenner's injured. They've had everything go wrong. They are the Murphy's Law on steroids. They've traded their their center. I don't mean positionally. I mean intangibly. When you trade your captain, that's a give-up move. Boone Jenner's a guy who's a high-energy guy, lives the culture, plays the culture. Wierenski's super talented. Seth Jones is out there with nobody around him. And they're a mess. And this will bring an uncontroversial end, it better, to the tenure of John Tortorella as head coach. He's done a nice job. I will give him that. He made him a perennial playoff team. He never got him out of the second round. I believe John Tortorella is a coach who is effective for exactly what he did here, to turn around a team's laziness and ineffectiveness and losing culture, but John Tortorella can only take you so far. And I think now we are seeing that he's been with the Jackets a season or two too long. So they're not going to pay a guy not to coach. They've got that, they, they don't have the money to do that, I guess. But Torts will be gone. They'll be looking for a new coach. They'll sell you on the rebuild. They'll sell you on draft picks. They'll sell you on something. But, um, his tenure is ending in ignominious fashion. He deserved a better fate. It's not all his fault. I'm being as charitable as I can be. You know, I've never been a fan of his uh, demeaning manner post-game, often with his players. I think he ran off too many really good players that the Blue Jackets have to have to be good. Yes, I know they got Seth Towns for Ryan Johansson. Sometimes you get lucky when a superstar gets a rash over the way he's being coached, and you get back good for good, and that was certainly the case with Seth Jones and Ryan Johansson. But it's not always the case. certainly has not been the case so far with Pierre-Luc Dubois' uh, haul and Panarin and Bob. Would they have stayed had the organization gotten them a different coach who didn't ride them as much? Panarin, probably not. Bob, yes. So... That's where we are, and John Tortorella will be uh, soon gone, and he can go uh, take care of his um, loves outside of hockey, and he deserves to be able to do that. He's done a nice job, so I'm not crushing him. I have in the past. I'm not going to crush him now. Serves no purpose, but he's going to be gone. He'll be better off, and they'll be better off. That is what I say, and I'm glad for my friend Aaron Portsline. He'll finally get his questions answered in the postgame, really answered, not dispatched in condescending, arrogant fashion. Okay, uh, let's not forget, auiinfo.com. It's probably not something you'll need every even year, but if you haven't checked your health insurance in a year, you better check it through auiinfo.com. Type into the chat who you have, what you have, what you're paying. Chrissy, Steve, Julie, somebody there will be able to tell you what you could get and what the benefits of changing would be. If you're a business owner, AUI Info is the resource you need to handle everything, HR benefits-wise. They put you with 
Good people, they're paid by those people. You don't pay. Individuals, you don't pay AUI. Their offer is a freebie to you because they're generating business for people who are happy to do business with new clients, and that would be you if AUI finds you a better deal. So remember the name, Health, Dental, Vision, Disability Benefits, AUIinfo.com. Business owners, don't look that stuff up yourself. You're wasting your time. You won't do it as well as Chrissy, Steve, and Julie and the AUI team, which is 17 members strong. They're doing great work all over the state of Ohio. So check them out, AUIinfo.com. That's AUIinfo.com. In the faith portion of the podcast today, I wanted to talk a little bit about what I touched on the other day with LeBron James and uh, intersectionality, critical race theory, uh, white fragility, all these phrases that you hear now. But I wanted to talk about it in a biblical context, of course, because that is what the faith portion is. So I would like to get into uh, a couple things in the New Testament. In Galatians, Paul's first missionary letter, Paul writes to the Galatian church, and he's basically scolding them. He's like, look, I know you guys came to faith through Jesus Christ. You got it. You understood that you needed to leave your old ways of the Jewish law, trying to be perfect in everything and attain perfection and righteousness and qualification for heaven through your behavior. He left all that behind when I told you the good news of Jesus dying at the cross and he settled your sin debt once and for all. You were forgiven in him. That gives you the freedom to feel that peace inside you and thus to obey and follow his teaching out of gratitude. And now I hear you're like bringing back in all this Jewish traditional garbage like circumcision and can't eat, you know, uh, animals, certain animals. You got to keep kosher. What happened to you? Who bewitched you? He said, who's, who's perverting your mind? Who's, uh, teaching you these things that are not true. They were going back to the old ways. Okay. So with that context, let's look now at the, the gospel of John. And the whole conflict in every single gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is what? Jesus comes, he brings a new way of thinking about your relationship with God. It's not through your deeds, it's through what Jesus did at the cross, providing a perfect sacrifice for sin and atonement. And people need to realize The only reason the law exists, the only reason the Jewish law exists, the Ten Commandments exist, the only reason they exist is to make me realize how unqualified I am, how I could never obey the law completely, perfectly. So therefore, I could never be good enough to be saved. What must I do then? I got no no other recourse. Ah, yes, you do. Jesus came to do what? He said to set the captives, captive to sin, captive to the law. He came to set the captives free. Now, he didn't say he came to eradicate the law. So he didn't come to, like, knock out the law and say, you don't have to murder. You don't have to not murder. You don't have to not steal. You don't have to, you know, you're not allowed now to commit adultery. He didn't say that. He didn't say, so the law is invalid. Don't obey it. He said, no, no, I know you're not going to obey it, but I want you to try because that's how I told people to live. That's how God told people to live for their own good because that's how God wants you to live. But I know you can't, so I'm going to provide a backstop, a fall safe, a firewall for you to 
be forgiven for all the times you screwed up in the past, screw up now, and will screw up in the future. You should strive for that because that's God's design for your life, but I know you're not going to all the time, and so I'm providing a way for you to have fellowship with me. So that's the conflict in the Gospels, right? The old Pharisees, Sadducees, the Jewish leaders, they were holding to that law. Because why? Well, it gave them prominence and power, and they could dictate to everybody and tell them what to do and decide who was good and who was not good, who was righteous, who was unrighteous, who had pa- who had prestige, who had prominence, who had power, and who didn't. And they liked that. You want to know how much they liked it? Let's go to John 11. Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. Lazarus has been dead for days. Jesus goes, says, Lazarus, come out of the tomb. He comes out of the tomb. And, I mean, that's a pretty neat trick, right? Only God could do that. So, (laughs) but these Jewish leaders, they see all these people now like, wow, this Jesus, he's the real deal. Like, he raised a dead man. Like, I'm going to follow that dude. Whatever he says, I'm with, I'm down with that. This guy's got the answers. Never saw anybody do that before. So the Pharisees see this, and their reaction is a totally different reaction. Here's what they say in John chapter 11, uh, verse 48, 47. Then the chief priests and Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. That's what their meeting was called, their, their group. What are we accomplishing? They asked. Here is this man performing these many miraculous signs. Here's the key verse. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And then the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. Okay, so let's like dissect that fear that they had. <laughs> First tackle the Roman part. Now the Roman Empire was big deal, right? Lots of soldiers, lots of chariots, lots of horses, lots of firepower. The Roman Empire was like a powerful empire, and these guys are just... Jewish guys, and they got no army, and they got no chariots, and they got no horses, and they got no weapons. So, like, they're afraid the Romans are going to come and wipe them out. Okay, well, legitimate fear. But imagine if Rome had come to do that, and they had this secret weapon over here in Jesus of Nazareth. Now, what do they know Jesus has been capable of doing, right? By this time, they've heard the stories that he has turned water into wine. They just saw him raise a guy from the dead. They know he's fed the 5,000. They know he's healed leprosy. They know he's made people who are blind able to see. I would say they got a pretty good weapon over here in Jesus to handle whatever Rome throws at them. But that's not their field of vision. Why? Because they were worried about... What else are we going to lose? Oh, we're going to lose all our power and all our prominence and all our prestige and our comfort. And that happened thousands of years ago, but that's the fear now for people who don't want to come to Christ. What's it going to cost me? What do I have to change? What are people going to think of me if I do that? They're going to think I'm like a freak. They're going to think I'm like a religious crazy person. You mean I'm going to have to, like, not be pro-choice anymore? You mean I'm going to have to, like, stop sleeping around on my wife? You mean I'm going to have to stop, like, eh, like, I don't know. I like my life now, Bruce. I don't want to change my life now. 
You're just like those guys. They like their life too. They thought they had it all taken care of. But do they sound like happy people? They don't sound like happy people to me. They're looking over their shoulder. They're worried about being exposed. They're they can't really explain everything, and that makes them uncomfortable. They can't explain how this guy's raising people from the dead. And he says he's God, but if I say he's God, then oh man, I'm gonna be like. I might be canceled. I might say something that's not politically correct. I might lose my spot in societal hierarchy. They're no different than people now. People now are no different than them. Okay? So this is the struggle. This is the struggle that we have. Um, and this is why it is a radical decision to follow Christ. And Jesus came to call people to individual repentance and individual accountability. Okay, so the Galatians, they heard the truth, they believed the truth, they adopted the truth, but then those old things of the world, the Jewish world, started to creep back in. Circumcision, um, eating kosher, keeping kosher, those Jewish traditions. And Paul's like, what's going on? What's going on with you guys? Like, who's got a spell on you? Same problem the Pharisees had. They wanted they wanted to, like, hold on to their old traditions. Okay, so what do we have that people are holding on to right now? Back then, traditions, customs, divided people, right? Couldn't let go of the old way, hesitated to embrace the new way. Right now, there's a new way in our society now, and boy, are people embracing it. The new way is wokeness. The new way is oppression and oppressors repenting for their oppression, right? The new way is everything's racist. The new way is, well, I feel like I'm this, so I am this, and you need to celebrate that I'm that because my identity is that, and if you don't celebrate it, you're hateful, you're terrible, you're awful, you're very bad. You're unchristian. That's what people tell you. Is it unchristian to tell people what's bad for them, what's self-destructive to them, what's destroying them, what's separating them from God? I would argue that's true love. Saying the hard thing is the greatest demonstration of love that you can give to someone. Because in saying the hard thing, you're trying to save them from a life of destruction, of bad choices, of bad decisions, of bad behavior, okay? And I know right now it's like, oh, you can't dare say that anything is bad. You can't dare say that anything's destructive because that's my truth, Bruce. My truth is not truth. My truth is my opinion. It is my feelings. There is objective truth. And if you don't believe there's objective truth, well, then you're at odds with the Bible. And I understand a lot of people say, I don't have a faith. I don't care about a faith. But I think there are a lot of people out there who want to have a faith. But they lack the courage to have the faith because what's it going to cost me? What are people going to think? What am I going to have to say? Now, listen, you don't have to like have all those answers when you come to faith. Jesus does not wait for you to become good enough for him to save you. He is not waiting for you to prove you are worthy of his love and forgiveness because guess what? 
If he were waiting for that, I wouldn't qualify. Franklin Graham wouldn't qualify. Charles Stanley, John MacArthur, nobody on earth would qualify because nobody is good enough. Why? Because God is perfect. He is perfectly holy. He is pristine. He is untarnished. He is immaculate. No one can be that. No one is that. We all have selfish thoughts, deeds, actions, attitudes. Some of us act them out a lot more often. Mm, Raising my hand. But you can only, uh, you can never be good enough. So God's not waiting for you to be good enough. Okay, so dispense with that nonsense because that's not of God. That's of Satan. Satan always tells you, you're not good enough. What are you, you crazy? Like, I know what you did. I know what you thought. I know what you wanted to do and didn't do, but you still thought it. So all that's a lie from Satan and all this stuff that is seeking to divide us. You know, I just didn't, I didn't realize this until this weekend. I was doing some reading. The very concept of race, you know where that came from? It came from Darwin. Darwin is the one who came up with race as if being white or being black or being aborigine or being Hispanic makes you different. It doesn't make you different. You have a different ethnicity. You can't, grew up in a different place. You come from a different culture. But your race, there's one race, a human race. But there's all this division along race because we want to prescribe behaviors, beliefs, advantages, disadvantages to people based upon where they were born or what they were born into, or what they were not born into. And that's all garbage, 100% garbage. Paul tells the Galatians, there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, barbarian or you know normal person. God, doesn't, God looks at everybody and he goes, wow, those people are really lost. Those people, whoo, they're a mess. I better fix that because they can't fix it. So I'm going to send my son to be the perfect sacrifice for all their mess. And if they accept him, then they're acceptable to me. So we have this whole thing now, critical race theories, big in our country, racial divisions, this, that, the other. And it's all like the reason why it's all like so married to Marxism and why Marxists hate God is because they view God as the ultimate oppressor, right? The, the oppressor is the person who tells you what you can't do right? Black people, some of them say, white people, oh, you, you got no agency in my life. You have no authority in my life. You can't tell me that we need to have strong families in the black community because look, who are you to say that? You're an oppressor. You're telling me how to live. Yeah, God does tell you how to live. Why? Not because he's trying to ruin your fun, because he knows what's good for you. You know how he knows what's good for you? He made you. He created you. He built the hardwiring in your brain. He built that, so he knows what's good for you. It's ridiculous to rebel against that. Even people who don't obey God are still made the same way as those who do. All right, so we talk about this root cause of evil in our society being something that's out there. It's in society. It's in groups. It's in that. The problem in society is not an exterior problem. It's an interior problem. It's an interior heart problem. We are born with a sinful nature. Adam and Eve acted on that sinful nature, and it's been active in man ever since. And God has sent his son to provide a way to triumph over that through him, not through our own 
deeds. So we have to understand that common need for personal repentance and personal restoration to God. We have to take care of the evil inside us before it'll manifest in changing the things in society that are evil, like abortion and murder and robbery and theft and uh, human trafficking and all these things that disadvantage other people. And there's this real danger now in the churches in America where we see so many churches flying BLM flags and pride flags and this flag and that flag, and they're really pounding like, you got to serve in your community to you know fix this. you got to fix that, and then we'll have this utopian society out there. Now, don't hear me wrong. Churches do have to serve God. They do have to. They are called to feed the poor and minister to the hungry and all those kinds of things. But, but the gospel of Jesus Christ has nothing to do with what we can do on his behalf. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the life-changing gospel, is what he did already for us, okay? So don't confuse the two. So if you hear social gospel, oh, we're acting out the social gospel. Really? How about you just stick to preaching the gospel, the real gospel, and change people's hearts. Because if you change people's hearts and make them recognize their own sinfulness and their own unqualification apart from being united with God through his son, Jesus Christ, if you start preaching that gospel, you want radical transformation, you will get it, brother. You will get people who will courageously speak out against the evil in the world. You will get hearts and minds changed. Because minds won't change until hearts change, and behavior won't change until hearts change. And if you're just trying to change the behavior and legislate against the behavior without repentance, without a changed heart, it's not going to happen. It is absolutely not going to happen. So when you see these churches that are flying BLM flags and flying pride flags, and then you see those same people marching and rioting and throwing bottles and demanding vengeance and demanding, for you do this for me, you must do this, and rebellion, they're talking about rebellion, they're talking about revolution, and they're talking about, you know, all this stuff. Ask yourself, ask yourself, do those traits look like they come from God? Are those the fruits of the Spirit that are being played out on the streets of America and in many of the churches of America? You must, you must do this, ordering you what to do, man telling man what to do rather than man taking his direction from God? Those are not the fruits of the Spirit. Those are not love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, understanding. Those are not the fruits of the Spirit. So those churches are not preaching the gospel of Jesus. They're preaching a, man, a man-made gospel. They're preaching a false gospel. They're preaching a lost gospel, and it'll get you lost, and they'll get you where Satan wants you in his clutches. All in the name of doing good. The worst thing, as I said before, the most heartbreaking thing you'll ever hear in your life is on the day of judgment, if Jesus would say to you, I don't care what you did. I know you fed the hungry in my name and you clothed the naked in my name and you did this in my name. I never knew who you were. I never knew you. You weren't doing it for me. You were doing it for you. You were trying to like wedge your way in here when I talked about the other day through another gate in the sheep pen. Jesus says there's one gate. I'm it. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. If you don't accept my forgiveness at the cross, if you don't 
do good things in your life solely out of gratitude for what I've already done for you, you're trying to get in through another gate and now you're not getting in. So that's where I, that's what I'm dedicated to is correcting this error because it's insidious. It's appears at times to be so close to the real gospel of Christ, but the number of people who want to rebel, want to conquer, want to fight, want to enact vengeance, those people do not have a peace of Christ in their heart because they do not know the forgiveness of Christ in their heart. So they do not have a changed heart. They have a lot of bitterness that they want to act out. They want a lot of retribution they want to make people pay for, and they feel like they're oppressed. And... They are oppressed. Satan's oppressing them. Sin is oppressing them. Somebody a lot more eloquent than I did, a lot more clever than I did, said this a long time ago, but I'm going to repeat it because it's so true. We do not have a skin problem in the United States of America. And in the world, we have a sin problem in the United States and in the world. Simple solution for complex problem. It's been there since Jesus came to earth, I came that you'd have life and have it more abundantly. I came to set the captives free. I pray you take that to heart. I pray that is radically life-changing and life-transforming for you. It has been for me. That's why I try to share it with you every single time that I do a podcast and every single time I have a conversation. And so with that, I will leave you today and wish you well in your week. You want to really do good in your life. You want to really get in touch with the Savior of the universe. Pull out a Bible and start reading it, man. A chapter of Proverbs every day to correspond with the date of the month. Read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Read the words in red. That's Jesus Christ speaking truth right into your heart. And when you do that, sit down and ask him, I don't know what this is. I don't know how this is going to change my life. Bruce Hooley says it will. And I think Bruce Hooley's a little bit of a questionable character at times. His opinions on the Buckeyes, Browns, Bengals, others. Not sure I'm in accord with them. But on this, he sure looks like he has arrived at a good place in his life. And I'd sure like to be at a good place in mine. And I'd truly like to make a difference in life. None of this stuff that comes from me, guys, is from me. It's all stuff that God's laid on my heart to share with you. And I'm just being obedient to him for what he has saved me from, all the mess I created for myself in my life. Wish I could change it, but I'm forgiven of it. And so onward we go. Hallelujah. Have a great day. 